Welcome to Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. This is episode 13, and today I'm going to talk a lot about marine-grade plywood. But first, I want to say thanks to my new patrons. Jared, John, Aaron, Grayson, Derek, Eli, and Randall all became patrons over at patreon.com slash lumberupdate in the last couple weeks or so. Thank you guys for supporting the show. It's just, it's wonderful every single week to see more and more people enjoying the show, writing in, telling me they're getting a lot out of it, sending me suggestions, uh, you know, any of my initial concerns about whether or not I would have enough uh, to talk about on a show like this or whether people would actually find some of this stuff interesting, uh, it's all gone because I've got a list of emails and questions a mile long now and new patrons signing up every single week. So thank you everybody for the support. Makes doing this show so much more fun. So last episode, I talked a little bit, a little bit about uh, Shishugiban. It's something that we're playing with at the, the yard over at Jacobs and McElveen. And I got some really good feedback on this. And this is um, Nathan wrote in, and I'm glad he said this because it is something that that I have been um, trying to figure out how I want to tackle it in my own marketing. He said, uh, today on today's episode, you talked about shishugiban. Through my own research and understanding of Japanese, shishugiban became a Western vernacular for what it is truly called yakasugi. Due to a Westerner misreading the kanji script and giving the wrong pronunciation of it. Because of this, shishugiban is never called by its true name, yakisugi. He's absolutely right. And you'll find that a lot of the, the manufacturers of shishugiban, they will um, often use the term yakasugi but because of um you know as nathan puts it best because of the the, the vernacular that shishugiban it's this burnt uh, material because that's caught on you can't just say yakisugi not everybody knows what that is so you kind of have to use both terms but he's absolutely right that it's actually not called shishugiban the question is what did the vikings call it because while shishugiban is what seems to be the most popular thing today and the japanese used it you know, the the Norse cultures were using it at the same time. And I'm pretty sure there was some use of it in some uh, Northern European and Russian um, cultures as well. I'm wondering what terms they had for that. So let's just keep this going. If anybody else out there knows uh, what, you know, the Vikings called it and what it's actually called. And a lot of Northern European climbs where you see these houses built with, you know, charred techniques, I want to know. I'm sure I could probably Google it and find out, but I'm just going to be lazy. So I had also talked about um, if anybody uh, had experience seeing kind of a production run of this. And I had a couple of people write in and remind me about Paul Lemeski over at Canadian Woodworks. And uh, I had you know seen a couple of things in Paul's YouTube channel in the past, and I had forgotten all about the fact that he does offer Shishigiban sighting. And he's got a, a particular video on his YouTube channel about his... Um, what does he call like the, the burning monster or something like that? And there's some really good info in there on how he creates production runs of this. What's really interesting about this, and you'll find a lot of people with different ideas and kind of the secret sauce is the finish that is used because most mills won't just sell unfinished shishugiban because there's all that charcoal and everything marks everything up. You've got to put a finish on it and seal it in, or you could have all kinds of issues. And what finish is actually used, it's kind of interesting. And I found it interesting that Paul is a big fan of 
of Rubio Monaco to seal in, especially the, the gator style Shishugi Ban, to keep everything from falling off. So again, thank you to the four or five people that actually wrote in and reminded me uh, about Paul at CanadianWoodworks.com. And Paul, if you ever hear this, thank you for the information you put out there. Um, I actually passed a couple of your videos over to my yard manager, and he was very excited to see that what he was already working up looks very similar to your burning monster. So great minds think alike, I suppose. So I want to jump into my topic about marine grade plywood because um, I, I've been kind of throwing this idea around for a while. And frankly, uh, Wes wrote in um, and said, I have a question about this. And if you guys might remember from a couple episodes ago, Wes became one of my patrons and uh, became a patron at a level that is not you know, listed at a high level. Um, thank you so much, Wes. So here's what happens when you make a large donation to the show. You get an entire show in your honor. Um, Wes, well, actually, I'll let Wes ask the question because he actually sent in a voicemail. Hey, Shannon, Wes Oilert here. Had a question about marine grade plywood. Um, as you know, I'm building a boat. I'm about a week and a half out to where I'm going to have to order plywood. Uh, need three sheets of three eighths, three sheets of half inch, and one sheet of three quarter, really half a sheet of three quarter. But anyways, I'm in Southwest Missouri. The only places I can really find to even order this stuff is through the big box store. In particular, it seems like Menards is my best case scenario for getting, you know, just the dimension or the, the thickness I need in a Marie Grey plywood. Um, from your experience, is this product okay? So that's that's really about it. I mean, I need to seek out several hours away to find something higher quality. That's all I got. Thanks. So while Wes has a very specific question about, you know, where should I get my marine grade plywood, I want to take this opportunity to talk about marine plywood. What does it actually mean? What makes it marine grade plywood and what should you be looking for when you're buying marine plywood? Wes, the shorter answer is I would be really suspect of the stuff that is available through a big box store. Now, Roseburg AB uh, Marine Fur is a, a legitimate product. However, you got to be a little careful. You might remember a couple episodes ago, I had actually talked about um, Roseburg getting in a little bit of trouble with the um, import police. Now that referred to some of their um, Akume material. The Doug first stuff is um, domestic-ish, North American-ish, and it usually can be a pretty decent product. But you need to think, when, when it comes to determining what what marine grade plywood do I need? You need to think about what you're going to do. How are, are how are you going to use it? Uh, because the term marine grade applies to the entire spectrum. From a guy wanted to nail up some kind of water resistant ish plywood to the outside of his house in preparation for a hurricane to somebody building a sign that's going to go on the side of the road all the way to boat builders. And then there's that continuum of, you know, the hobbyist boat builder all the way up to the multi-million dollar yacht. And 
how that boat is, you know, the, the demands of that particular boat. Is it, um, you know, a, a stain grade? Are you looking for a, a wooden finish on this? Are there particularly tight bends in it? Uh, are there weight restrictions you need to think about? All of those come into play to determine what type of plywood you need to buy. So first things first, to be a marine grade plywood, it must be free of voids. There cannot be any voids in the interior. Maybe we need to back up even further. This may be really, really elementary, but you never know. Plywood is composed of sheets of veneer, right? Those veneers are um, peeled from a log. In uh, Well, plywood can be done a couple ways. It can be rotary cut, meaning you've taken a log and essentially stuck it on a lathe, and you've peeled it away with a blade, um, very much like a lathe tool, where you're getting this long sheet that's the full length of the log, and you can peel a log all the way down to nothing, and you get this super, super, super long you know, sheet of toilet paper that is plywood veneer. You can also slice a log. So you, you've got a like a, a guillotine slicer and you're just going right through the log and you're ending up with slices of veneer that are the width of the log itself. In marine plywood, it must be rotary because of the fact that there are no seams to stitch together. Now, I shouldn't say that. It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. There are some grades of marine plywood that will allow that, but usually it's only on the face veneer, which brings me here to the next point. In plywood, you've got face veneers and then you've got core veneers. Marine grade, the, the good marine grade plywood will have all the same species throughout. So there really isn't a face veneer. It just happens to be the veneer that's on top because it's the same veneer all the way through. You can run into delamination issues when you go from a core to a face because a lot of times it's applied separately through the production process. There also are instances where that face veneer, maybe it's something really, really special, that face veneer is actually thinner and it causes real problems when it comes to bending the plywood, when it comes to actually sanding and finishing the plywood. So the good stuff is is not going to have an inconsistent thickness from one veneer to the other, from face veneer to core veneer. There's going to be no distinction. The whole thing is going to be the same veneers throughout. So again, there's the, the basics of plywood. Veneer is, is, is peeled or it is sliced. It is then dried. And really, the, the, one of the major quality differences you're going to find from one manufacturer to another, from one price point to another, is how well that veneer has been dried. It needs to be dried down to 6%. Where it's been dried is another issue. Um, a lot of these marine plywoods, with the exception of the Douglas fir, they're all coming from Africa. Yamarantes, Yurukumes, they're, they're all African species, but if the veneer is dried in Africa, it can be a little suspect. The best quality panels are actually sliced into veneers, shipped you know, up into Europe and dried in Europe where they can get it a, a little bit drier, have a little bit more control over the situation. Then those veneers are sprayed with glue. Marine grade plywood must have water boil proof glue, WBF. You may see that stamp on some of the grade stamps, WBF, water boil proof glue. This is a glue that has been subjected to boiling water for more than an hour and has not resulted in delamination of the plies. This, for the most part, is a phenolic glue or a melamine glue in the, in the um, marine plywood circles. However, you have to think about a couple episodes ago, I talked about TOSCA, the Toxic, Toxic Substance Control Act. 
Tosca does actually apply to marine plywood, and there have been some issues with some of the European manufacturers that are now not Tosca Title VI compliant. I believe most of them have have figured out what they need to do to be Tosca Title VI, but not all of them have necessarily been inspected. So some of that plywood can actually be held up as it comes into this country because of non-compliance with Tosca. So be aware of that. The the I don't want to say the old way, the, the established marine grade phenolic and melamine glues don't necessarily meet the formaldehyde standards of, of Tosca. They, they have formulations that will do it. They've tested it. It's all good. It's not going to affect the quality. But is the production line switched over? Not everybody's certain about that. So just be aware that there's a little bit of flux there. So that, that glue, the water boil proof glue, is sprayed onto those veneers. The veneers are stacked, rotating each veneer 90 degrees. So, you know, you've got that alternating grain that's common with plywood. They are then pressed, um, not only pressure, but heat. And um, as they run down the line, you know, they're trimmed to the end. The amount of pressure that's applied and the amount of time that they're under the heat and the amount of heat is all very key to getting a nice, stable panel. The lower quality marine grades and actually the lower quality plywood in general, marine or not, the issue that we have with it is that warping that you get. Well, that's because the veneers have not been dried properly. The veneers have been um, maybe rushed through the heater or held in the heater too long. And in many instances, the glue is not sprayed evenly. You'll often often find instances where like the glue bin is running dry and you get like half the veneer sprayed or um, it was just filled and it came out kind of clumpy or whatever and it injected too much moisture and it caused problems. There needs to be, and, and this is all, you know, modern manufacturing facilities. It can be, you can lay down an incredibly even layer of glue and actually know how thick that layer of glue is and be able to count on the fact that the thickness of that layer of glue is consistent from one end of the veneer to the next. It's all, you know, computer control. There really is no excuse for this other than somebody trying to cut corners sounds bad, but that's really what it comes down to. Somebody's trying to cut corners in order to save a little bit of money, which brings me back to something I talked about on an earlier episode about plywood. The quality of a sheet of plywood is definitely reflected in the price. You do get what you pay for. So when you start looking at these, you know, higher end, the Jobert's, the Brunzeal marine grade plywoods that are going to be pushing 110, 150, $180 a sheet. There's a reason for that because absolutely no corners have been cut and they have incredible quality control for one end of the production line to the other. That includes the quality of the veneers. In other words, the grade of the veneer, the amount of defects in the veneer, the um, the dryness of the veneers, the stability of the veneers. And a lot of people will tell you they're their secret recipe, if you will, their 11 herbs and spices is how they balance the production in order to get a stable panel. For instance, a panel that won't warp on you, you must balance it through production. We talk about this in furniture making. When you veneer a a substrate, you have to veneer the backside. You have to apply what's known as a balancing veneer because you're injecting moisture on one side of the panel. You need to therefore inject moisture on the other side of the panel with that balancing veneer. Same thing with like um, hammer veneering with high glue. You're going to put the glue on both sides of the face, even the show face, planning on scraping that off later so that you keep that veneer balanced so it doesn't curl up on you. Balancing in marine grade plywood refers to the amount of glue you're putting onto it, the evenness of the glue you're putting onto it, the amount of pressure being applied, the amount of heat, the balance from one end of the production line to the other. All of that quality control is what makes a good quality panel. 
So when that's all done, um, the marine grade plywood itself, the good stuff will have the same species of veneer from front to back. Um, it's going to um, to be marine grade. As I said before, it cannot have any voids. And there are very strict limitations on what kind of defects you can have in the surface. If you've ever seen those football patches in, in a panel, there are uh, varying degrees of those being allowed depending upon the grade of plywood that you're buying. It can have knots, but it cannot have knot holes. And again, the, the amount of knots um, directly relates to the, the grade that, that you're seeing. The idea here, um, is that knots, seams, as I said before, the good stuff is peeled rotary cut veneer, not um, uh, um, sliced and stitched veneer. Seams, knots, knot holes, voids are all places that water can get into and water can be trapped. And trapped water will eventually cause delamination. And that is the ultimate problem with marine grade plywood is it just falls apart and delams on you. Or while you're trying to bend it, you can see delamination and splintering as you're bending it around a particularly tricky curve. So face veneer, I keep saying face veneer. Um, my, I'm in my hardwood plywood mine. The veneers themselves, the quality of the veneer and the dryness of the veneer and the species of the veneer chosen will dictate a lot of what needs to be, what, what you need to use. Weight and bendability are major issues. You know, you don't want to build a wooden kayak that is going to weigh 200 pounds. You know, you want a wooden kayak that is, is 50 pounds or, or, or lighter. And, and in many instances, choosing the right species of plywood, you can build a kayak that's less than 30 pounds out of solid wood. So now you need to start thinking about the species. So the, the, the most common marine grade species is Douglas fir. Douglas fir has been around forever. It really hasn't changed all that much in several centuries, and it still can be counted on to be a good quality marine grade panel. Again, it's going to be Douglas fir from front to back. There's going to be no specific species face veneer with an interior core. It's all Douglas fir from one end to the other. The thing with Doug fir, though, is it has a very different density from early growth to late growth. That's what causes that striated, stripy pattern. Uh, it also happens to make a really good Shishugiban species because when you char it, the, the, the early wood, the less dense stuff, burns and turns to charcoal and the heavier late growth stays nice and strong. And that's when you brush it and you get that three-dimensional effect. But that three-dimensional effect, whether you've burnt it or not, causes problems with Douglas fir. And if you're using Douglas fir plywood, you have to pretty much count on sealing it with epoxy and fiberglassing it because you may run into delamination issues with that varying density and you may run into a surface that, no, you not may, you will run into a surface that's going to have to be leveled. Um, so you need to put down some fiberglass uh, or epoxy and then plan on sanding it smooth because you're gonna get that washboard effect due to that variance in hardness. So it is something to think about Douglas fir is not really an appearance grade marine grade plywood. It is something that is meant to have a bunch of stuff put down over top of it and painted and that's not what you're going to see. So it may be a wooden hold boat, but you wouldn't know that by looking at it because of all the stuff over top to take up that that striated pattern of the early and late growth. So that's the first thing. What you know, what do I ultimately want this to look like? Do I want my boat to be, you know, the beautiful mahogany looking Chris Craft style boat? Do I want that, you know, gorgeous natural wood kayak canoe or am I going to end up painting this whole thing and it's going to turn into like a modern you know fiberglass boat 
The other thing is the weight. Douglas fir is heavy, very heavy. It's going to be the heaviest of marine grade plywoods out there. So if the boat that you're building requires the use of a lot of plywood, that's something to think about. What is that all going to add up to? You know, and if you start cutting out your parts and you stack them all up and you try to lift it and go, holy crap, you know, that may not be a problem because maybe it's all going to be loaded into the water on a trailer and yada, yada, yada. It's not really that big of a deal, right? But maybe it is. Maybe it is a very big deal and you need to rethink whether or not you're going to use Douglas fir. The next option that you see a lot in the boat building circles is Moranti. Moranti, uh, it, it gets through bad marketing, lumped into the mahogany world a lot because it is a a reddish wood. Uh, I believe it's Moranti even comes. Is it in the Malassay family? I should know that offhand. Well, regardless, it, it often gets like Moranti mahogany sometimes is what you see. I actually find that it looks a little bit more like walnut, um, but there's you're going to find a lot of variance in what the actual species is because you will find different species that fall on Moranti. At one point, Luan was actually, uh, Philippine mahogany was actually lumped into the Moranti circles. Um, Sharia guisi, I think. I never get that pronounced right, but several of the Sharia genus species often get lumped in again. The higher quality Moranti plywood will be a Moranti species on it. Moranti is going to be quite a bit lighter. It's going to give you a much lighter panel. It is a, a pretty cost effective good quality marine panel. And oftentimes this is the species, or excuse me, the, the product of choice for the amateur hobbyist boat builder because it's got a little bit more uh, palatable price tag attached to it. The problem with Moranti is it can be a little splintery. It's it's very dense. So when you're trying to bend it, and if you've got a particularly radical bend, you're going to have problems with it. So it's going to be lighter, but it's not going to bend quite as well. So think about what kind of curves you need to bend to it, bend into it, and what kind of problems it may result um, from using a denser species like Moranti. Um, it's going to be a little bit uh, more consistent homogenous grain species that could have um, an appearance grade to it that isn't necessarily going to be painted. It's not going to necessarily need to be completely glassed over like Douglas fir because it's going to have a little bit more consistent surface. But there still is a lot more pronounced grain there that could cause um, a less than smooth finish. So it's, it's going to require a little bit more work really at the top end of things from the species perspective and what today is ubiquitous with good quality marine plywood is akume. Um, Akunamea klinamea. Akumea klinamea is the actual species there. Um, Gabon ebony, or excuse me, Gabon okume is what it's sometimes called. Sometimes it's even just called Gabon uh, because that's one of the regions it comes from in Africa. However, if you go back a couple episodes, you remember now that uh, Akume coming out of Gabon is strictly illegal. So you have to be careful about the provenance of some of this stuff. The the plywood builders, the marine plywood makers, the Joberts and the Brunzils of the world have got that down. Um, they are, I think they are to be trusted manufacturers. They're longstanding manufacturers. They are importing it from the right places. They're following the rules. They've got chain of custody documents and, you know, out the wazoo, you can feel good about buying that, uh, from those manufacturers and knowing that it's sustainable, it's legal, and all the checks and balances have been done. What Akume is wonderful with, it is so freaking light. This is where you can make that 30 pound kayak. You know, you can make like a 50 pound rowboat out of it. It's just incredibly lightweight and it is 
possibly the most boring grain on the face of the planet. Um, you know, if you've ever done any carving, uh, you know, people will say basswood is wonderful because there's almost no grain to basswood. It just carves the same in any direction. Akume is very much the same. It's kind of a light pinkish color and it is the most homogenized grain you've ever seen. So what that means is when you put this down, you can um, you know, lay a, a very, very light coat of, of whatever your sealer is, and it just goes on glass smooth, and it's really easy to finish. Also, because of that total kind of lack of grain, it bends really, really well. There's no grain to run out and cause any splintering or cause any problems. Um, it can be sawn really thin. It can be sawn relatively thick. The tree itself uh, grows quite large, so you can you can get a lot of flexibility in how those veneers are done. And because of that really, really homogenized grain, it dries very evenly. So it's really easy to get a controlled, stable, dry face or face veneer. There I go again, veneer. So the, the Akume veneers before it's even being, you know, assembled into a stack, into a panel are already much, much higher quality. They're not going to have a lot of knots. If they have knots, they're going to be tiny little pin knots. So the, the, it's just such an incredibly clear wood with very little grain that it's just like heaven sent for this particular application. So if you're looking for all of the, the good stuff, lightweight, easy to bend, easy to finish, you know, good quality uh, um, uh, veneer. In other words, no defects that will allow water in. Akume is the way to go. That is the species. When you start to go into really, I need appearance. That's where Sapili comes in or even African mahogany. Sapili would be the higher quality here. And this is where, when you're looking at those like Adirondack style, Chris Craft boats with the, you know, the deep red mahogany look, that's done with the Sapili plywood these days. Uh, Brunzeal makes uh, a Sapili plywood called Super Hecked Out that is just incredible. Um, it is 100% Sapili. Uh, again, as I said, the good stuff is there is no core and face veneer. It's all Sapili all the way through. It's all Akume all the way through. The Sapili is it's going to be a little bit heavier. Uh, it's denser. Uh, so you are going to have some of the issues where it doesn't bend quite as well as Akume, but it bends a heck of a lot better than Moranti, and it is a lot more pleasing um, than Moranti. Now, as I said, you're using rotary uh, rotary cut veneers. There is an example here where Sapili marine plywood can be sold where it's Sapili all the way through, but it does actually have a separate face veneer that is sliced and stitched in order to give you that ribbon stripe quarter sawn look. There is a kind of an exception for that. And what they do is lay down an additional um, um, epoxy layer um, in, in between to create a good bond and to make sure that there's no... Um, water trappage. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to do this. The different manufacturers do it differently. And a lot of times it's all very top secret, secret sauce. That's what makes them distinctive. Just know that you can actually get that ribbon stripe Sapili look, even though that is a sliced and stitched face veneer. It's almost like you've taken your regular um, Sapili uh, um, marine grade plywood, your regular sheet, whatever the thickness is, six mil, you know, all up to, to, to 25 mil or whatever. And then it's just made a little bit thicker by putting another veneer over top of it that happens to be stitched together. So those are the, the primary species you're going to run into. There are some 
melamine uh, MDO type things. Those tend to be specifically for sign makers, not really in the boat building side of things, because um, I, I actually don't have any experience with this stuff. From what I understand is an absolute nightmare to sand. So it's like, why use it? It's also going to be heavier. Um, melamine itself is, is quite heavy. So from a boat building perspective and specific to Wes's question, I wouldn't really worry about the MDO stuff. It comes down to Douglas fir, Moranti, Akume, and Sapili. Sapili, I think, being being an outlier because you're buying it um, for its appearance because you want that mahogany-ish looking boat. Akume really is the top choice and most of the good boat builders are going to tell you that's the one you want to go with. It's going to give you the least amount of problems and you're not going to end up having to buy additional sheets midway through because something delammed on you or something splintered during, during the bending process. Now, I talked about grades a little bit before, and plywood grading is an absolute nightmare. Um, Marine grading, this is kind of like the episode I talked about with hardwood lumber grading, where even the top's grades really are not sufficient. So in the marine world, you have, um, well, when we're talking about Douglas fir, there is the, um, the grade... Is, is actually, it's a North American uh, grade through, through um, what's it called? The American Plywood Association, the APA. They have a, a grade that is APA PS1-09, PS109. Um, it, 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 it basically just says that this, it, it places restrictions on the, um, the veneer repairs, in other words, the, the, the number of footballs and no core voids in a plywood. So when you find um, like, you know, a Roseburg product, you'll see Marine AA or Marine AB that generally has an APA PS109 grade on it. This would again be the the bottom of, of, of the line when it comes to marine grade. Now, remember what I said about Douglas fir is it absolutely must be sealed with something, epoxy or fiberglass. So that's probably okay that it's that bottom of the line grade because you're going to be adding that additional water resistant layer over top of it. It's still going to have the water boil proof glue. It's still going to have the same species from, from stem to stern. Um, but it, just the species itself of Douglas fir is going to require some additional work that kind of makes up for the fact that the grade may have some more defects in it. That brings us to, you know what, and I should back up and say that marine plywood standards are what's known as voluntary standards. Um, there's no one regulating these. Uh, I've heard it several times. Oh, we have a customer, Chesapeake Lightcraft, who often says there is no um, marine plywood police. <laughs> There's nobody walking around with a nightstick, you know, <laughs> telling you, you've got to do this. You've got to meet this. Measuring and counting the number of voids and footballs and whatever. It's all voluntary. It's all up to the manufacturer saying these are the standards we're hitting. So this comes back to what I was saying earlier about you need to know something about the mill. You don't want to buy plywood from, you know, uh, Tom, Dick and Harry. Uh, you want to buy it from an established mill that has provenance that can talk about their production. And that's where things like, you know, Roseburg, to some extent, they've gotten a little hot water lately. Jobert, Brunzeal are all really the manufacturers that you can trust. But British standards is kind of, that's the, the ubiquitous marine grade line. BS 1088, British standard 1088 is, is it. And this has so many things it doesn't allow. Um, in fact, I think it's a lot easier to say what it does allow. Um, and it does allow um, a few knots. I can't remember off the top of my head how many 
and it's one of those things that's like it allows so many per square foot or whatever um it's not very many just put it this way there's certainly no core uh voids and no um seams so it's all rotary cut in order to be bs1088 it's certainly got the water boyproof glue and all that stuff it is kind of if you're going to build a boat bs1088 1088 is what you want however the things that it does allow, I think a lot of the higher end boat builders wouldn't allow that. So they're buying top grade, but they're still having to do a fair amount of inspecting to make sure because what is the highest standard BS1088 still won't meet the standards in their particular shop. It's very much like FAS and hardwoods where the cutting grade, yeah, that's the top grade, but I still need something better beyond FAS. So be careful. Just because it says BS1088 doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I'm not going to have to worry about this. You still need to think about how you're going to be building it, how, what kind of boat you're going to be building, what are your demands as far as weight, bendability, appearance, all that, and choosing um, the species and the manufacturer. There is another British standard um, BS6566, which has actually been retired. I know there's a new um, European equivalent of it, 315 or something like that. EN315, that's what it is. Thank you, Google. <laughs> um, 6566, basically, it, it's just a lesser standard than 1088. It allows a little bit more defects. Um, it, it's got the same glue, of course, that's being used, but it's it's more described as an exterior plywood than a marine grade plywood. It's just that lesser option to fill another part of the market. And it's not really something that tends to fall in the boat building world. Although there are a lot of Maranti plywoods that the hobbyists were used that would technically qualify as BS6566. Just recognize that no one, that, that grade has been retired. So you're not going to find that 6566 stamp on it. If you do, that panel's pretty old. I don't know what when they actually retired it. It's been probably, gosh, maybe 20 years. I'm not sure. I'm making that up. So um, the other thing you will find is BS 1088 Lloyd's registered. I know the, the Brunzeal plywood we carry is Lloyd's registered. And where I said there are no plywood police, this is an independent company that will come and audit your production line. They're going to stand there with clipboards and they're going to make sure everything looks good. And they're going to certify that you are meeting the grades standards of BS 1088. Now, with any auditing process, it's not like they're there all the time. You know, they show up with a scheduled appointment and everybody polishes their shoes and shines everything up and cleans the factory up while the auditors are there and, you know, they pass muster. The fact of the matter is, is this is not, you know, BS 1088 is not something you can just like make up overnight. You can't cram for the test on this. Your production line needs to be set up to run BS 1088, to, to curate BS 1088 quality veneers, to dry to BS 1088 standards, et cetera. So it's, it's, if the auditors show up, even if it's scheduled months in advance, it's something that, you know, you've gotten ready for the auditors keep running it that way. So it's, you don't want to necessarily look suspect of the fact that they're not full-time auditors watching everything that's going on, but they're going to have, because plywood is so, um, structured and so documented on how it's built. And, and, you know, there's no mysteries to this anymore. It is really easy to show a line of documentation to an auditor showing here's what we've done. Here's how we bought. Here's how we've selected. Here's how we've sliced, dried, pressed, glued, 
all of that stuff so that an auditor can see a, a long period of time in the production line. So when you do see a BS 1088 Lloyd's certified or Lloyd's registered panel, that holds a lot of weight. And you can expect that the quality control is very consistent. And while I said BS 1088, alone may not be enough. Lloyd's registered BS 1088 is that next level. And what you're going to find is a price point difference. You're going to find a BS 1088 panel may be a middle of the road panel in somebody like um, Brunzeal or Jobert. It can be, uh, what is it, Aquatech in Jobert, where it's just a um, BS 1088. But then you move to Hydrotech under the Jobert line, which is BS 1088 Lloyd's. Um, and you know what? Don't quote me on that. I could be mixing them up. Um, could be Aquatech, Hydrotech. You can look up the Jobert website um, and, and, and see. Same thing with um, Brunzeal has a 1088. They just call it BS 1088. It's kind of their mid-level grade. But their hecked out product is a Lloyd's registered BS 1088. Their super hecked out is the Sapili version of a Lloyd's registered BS 1088. And you're going to find a pretty substantial price point difference per panel because of that Lloyd's register level. So again, grades are something you, you, you want to be aware of, but it doesn't necessarily, you can't just look at it and go, BS 1088, I'm great, good to go. However, you probably want to at least have 1088 if you are building a boat. If you're not building a boat and you're just building outdoor furniture or you're doing you know outdoor construction of some kind and the plywood isn't necessarily going to come into contact and soak in water all the time, it's probably not necessary to have 1088. But... Um, and, and you know what? Oh, I don't want to say that because you know, as we heard in Wes's um, voicemail, he's in Missouri. Well, what gets built a lot? There are a lot of boat builders in Missouri. What are they building there? They're building lakes, pontoon boats like in the Ozarks. Um, as we've done some prospecting down there to sell plywood, we've discovered a lot of these really cool houseboat, pontoon boat type builders where it's a totally different method of construction. That What they're using the plywood for is a platform to sit on top of the pontoons. It's a very, very different structure. And in that case, the Douglas fir, um, some of the Roseburg products is what they use a lot, is perfectly fine because they're going to end up fiberglassing it, painting it, do all kinds of stuff to that particular platform and then building on top of it in a lot of ways what they're building is more of like an exterior grade construction that happens to be sitting on top of pontoons. The plywood that they're using isn't being submerged in the water and being soaked in the water all the time. It's it's above the waterline for the most part. Anything that comes into contact with the waterline is so heavily fiberglass that it has its own kind of shell around it. And that, Wes, is why that's what you're finding in your particular region, because that's what the market demands. So to answer Wes's question, unfortunately, you probably are going to have to go further afield or look into um, someone that can actually ship something to you. And you're not you know, shipping plywood can be expensive, but it's you're not completely SOL. If you can find... Um, a lumber distributor that carries marine grade plywood and happens to have a truck coming your way that is filled, you can actually get pretty good shipping prices on it. You may have to meet them somewhere to pick it up at, at some sort of central distribution point, but you'd be surprised. Now, you also may have to wait a while, um, you know, because the truck may be half full and you have to wait for them to actually develop and fill that truck before it actually ships. But it's not the end of the world. There's no reason why you couldn't buy 
you know, five, six sheets of plywood, marine, good quality, marine grade plywood, and just recognize that it's going to ship when it ships and it might be two or three weeks before it does. And it may have to meet them somewhere and pick it up at, at, at a distribution hub. It, it happens. We, we've done it many times. I know many of my um, contemporaries have done the exact same thing. So Wes, the, the answer to your question is I would probably avoid the big box store. Um, Knowing what you're building, the dory that you're building, I don't think you said that, but guys, Wes is is actually an apprentice at the hand tool school, so I actually know Wes quite well. Um, so there's there's more than than what we heard in the voicemail, but the dory he's building. I don't know what you're thinking from an appearance standard. You don't have some real heavy bends in there, so you might be okay with uh, a Moranti product. You might even you might even be okay with Douglas fir, depending on how you finish it and how much epoxy and fiberglass you want to apply. I didn't get the impression that was the direction you wanted to go. So more than likely, I would suggest a BS 1088 Akume because you probably for that door, you want a lighter boat and you know, the bending is not that big of a deal, but for me, the weight would be a major factor. And I think Akume is going to be that what, what you need to think about there. So <laughs> You know, there's a lot. There's a lot to think about. Species, quality control, manufacturer, um, really most of the big names, the the quality names in marine plywood are not North American manufacturers. They're European manufacturers. The Brunzeal are technically Allen is the name of the company, A-L-L-I-N. They're French, as is Jobert is also a French company. They are the big names in marine grade plywood. Those are really the guys you need to buy from, Jobert or Brunzeal. Personally, we carry Brunzeal. I think the quality is a little bit nicer. The hecked out and super hecked out really um, is is just a step above. Um, but we also may be, you know, six and one half dozen the other. Jobert makes a really, really nice panel with their Aquatech and Hydrotech products. And they have, they have a pretty wide range of products. Both of these companies have huge ranges of products because they do not only marine for boats, but they also do... Um, uh, Aeronautical. They do airplane parts where lightweight is, is super, super important. They've got some foam core stuff that make it even lighter. There's all kinds of things in there, but they are European, um, European mills. And, you know, with that comes a price tag. Certainly you can very easily exceed $150 a sheet for some of this stuff, but you have to weigh it against what are you actually doing? You know, um, you're going to build a boat that you're hoping to be able to use for decades to come. And more importantly, you're hoping that won't sink out from underneath you or delaminate and have to constantly worry about, is this thing going to fall apart on me? So this is definitely an example. You want to get the highest quality material you can. And if you're a hobbyist building a smaller boat, you know, and all you need is, I can't remember the total count that Wes had. He had several thicknesses there, but you know, it's less than 10 sheets total. So yeah, you know, 150 bucks, that's still, you know, $1,500 in, in, in material, but really to build a boat, $1,500 material that's going to last you decades and it's going to be a lot of fun to row around in. Is that big of a deal? It may be. Maybe you have to save up for it. But this is definitely one of those instances where you want to pay very close attention to the grade, to the species, and to the manufacturer that you're buying it from. And if you have to go several hours far afield or you have to deal with somebody who's going to ship it to you, it's probably going to be worth it in the long run over the heartache you're going to deal with by using a big box marine grade ply. So there we go, folks. That's my, you know, 10,000 foot view at marine grade plywood. I've certainly written a fair amount about this at the blog over at McIlvain.com. But um, 
you know, a lot of that tends to fall really around the Brunzeal product because that's what we carry. So for just a general look of, of, you know, how to buy marine grade plywood, this will put you in the right direction. You also can find a lot of information over the Wooden Boat Forum. They have um, all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, Woodenboat.com, lots of great information. Many of my customers who buy the products we sell actually post there pretty regularly and actually have some pretty good consumer guides and things like that. So definitely check out woodenboat.com if you need some more, um, do a little bit more research. And that's it for this particular episode on marine gray plywood. I, I really appreciate the, the question, Wes. I appreciate the, the patronage of the show. And yeah, if you want a show dedicated to you, um, you know, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to say that. I don't want to turn this show into send me money and I'll tell, I'll talk about whatever you want. That's not what we're talking about, but I did want to appreciate Wes's donation and make sure I answered his question and dedicated an entire show to it. So please send me your questions. You can submit a question via the form on lumberupdate.com. You can email me a voicemail or email me a question to lumberupdate at gmail.com, which actually reminds me in regards to the Shishugi bomb, um, I did actually get uh, an email about Shishugiban, and it was it was more of a of a um, a personal experience of using of doing a Shishugiban product in kind of a one off situation. But uh, I want to thank Paul for his email because he attached a picture of himself in the '70s with the most glorious afro I've ever seen, and uh, he was using Shishugiban to make kind of a psychedelic poster-mounted thing that I can just picture in my head. But thank you, Paul, for sending me the afro pic. I got a really good laugh out of that. <laughs> That's it for me, folks. Thanks again. Thank you to all my patrons over at Patreon.com/LumberUpdate. We're very close to a YouTube channel, folks. Go buy some lumber or plywood or marine grade plywood, because now you know what you're looking for. <laughs>